0: Book fifth, chapter three of The Wings of the Dove. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Wings of the Dove by Henry James. Book fifth, chapter three. What it really came to on the morrow this first time the time kate went with her was that the great man had a little to excuse himself had by a rare accident for he kept his consulting hours in general rigorously free but ten minutes to give her ten mere minutes which he yet placed at her service in a manner that she admired still more than she could meet it so crystal-cleaned the great empty cup of attention that he set between them on the table He was presently to jump into his carriage, but he promptly made the point that he must see her again, see her within a day or two, and he named for her at once another hour, easing her off beautifully too, even then in respect to her possibly failing of justice to her errand. The minutes affected her, in fact, as ebbing more swiftly than her little army of items could muster and they would probably have gone without her doing much more than secure another hearing, hadn't it been for her sense, at the last, that she had gained above all an impression. The impression, all the sharp growth of the final few moments, was neither more nor less than that she might make, of a sudden, in quite another world, another straight friend, and a friend who would moreover be wonderfully the most appointed, the most thoroughly adjusted of the whole collection, inasmuch as he would somehow wear the character scientifically, ponderably, probably, not just loosely and sociably. Literally, furthermore, it wouldn't really depend on herself. Sir Luke Stret's friendship, in the least, perhaps, was what made her most stammer, and pant. was its thus queerly coming over her that she might find she had interested him even beyond her intention, find she was in fact launched in some current that would lose itself in the sea of science. At the same time that she struggled, however, she also surrendered. There was a moment at which she almost dropped, the form of stating, of explaining, and threw herself without violence, only with the supreme pointless quiver that had turned the next instant to an intensity of interrogative stillness upon his general goodwill. His large settled face, though firm, was not as she had thought at first hard. He looked in the oddest manner to her fancy, half like a general and half like a bishop and she was soon sure that, within some such handsome range, what it would show her would be what was good, what was best for her. She had established, in other words, in this time-saving way, a relation with it, and the relation was the special trophy that for the hour she bore off. It was like an absolute possession, a new resource altogether something done up in the softest silk and tucked away under the arm of memory. She hadn't had it when she went in, and she had it when she came out. She had it there, under her cloak, but dissimulated, invisibly carried, when, smiling, smiling, she again faced Kate Croy. That young lady had, of course, awaited her in another room, where, as the great man was to absent himself, No one else was in attendance, and she rose for her with such a face of sympathy as might have graced the vestibule of a dentist. Is it out? She asked. She seemed to ask as if it had been a question of a tooth, and Milly indeed kept her in no suspense at all. He's a dear. I'm to come again. But what does he say? Milly was almost gay. "'that I'm not to worry about anything in the world, "'and that if I'll be a good girl "'and do exactly what he tells me, "'he'll take care of me for ever and ever.' "'Kate wondered, as if things scarce fitted. "'But does he allow, then, that you're ill?' "'I don't know what he allows, and I don't care. "'I shall know, and whatever it is, it will be enough. "'He knows all about me, and I like it. "'I don't hate it a bit.' Still, however, Kate stared. "'But could he in so few minutes ask you enough? "'He asked me scarcely anything. "'He doesn't need to do anything so stupid,' Milly said. "'He can tell. "'He knows,' she repeated. "'And when I go back, for he'll have thought me over a little, "'it will be all right.' Kate, after a moment, made the best of this. "'Then when are we to come?' It just pulled a friend up, for even while they talked, at least it was one of the reasons, she stood there suddenly, irrelevantly, in the light of the other identity, the identity she would have for Mr. Densher. This was always, from one instant to another, in incalculable light, which, though it might go off faster than it came on, necessarily disturbed it sprang with a perversity all its own from the fact that with the lapse of hours and days the chances themselves that made for its being named continued so oddly to fail there were twenty there were fifty but none of them turned up this in particular was of course not a juncture at which the least of them would naturally be present but it would make none the less saw. Another day practically all stamped with avoidance. She saw in a quick glimmer, and with it all, Kate's unconsciousness, and then she shook off the obsession. But it had lasted long enough to qualify her response. No, she had shown Kate how she trusted her, and that, for loyalty, would somehow do. Oh, dear thing! now that the ice is broken i shan't trouble you again you'll come alone without a scruple only i shall ask you please for your absolute discretion still outside at a distance from the door on the wide pavement of the great contiguous square they had to wait again while their carriage which milly had kept completed a further turn of exercise engaged in by the coachman for reasons of his own. The footman was there and had indicated that he was making the circuit, so Kate went on while they stood. "'But don't you ask a good deal, darling, in proportion to what you give?' This pulled Milly up still shorter, so short, in fact, that she yielded as soon as she had taken it in. But she continued to smile. "'I see,' "'Then you can tell.' "'I don't want to tell,' said Kate. "'I'll be as silent as the tomb if I can only have the truth from you. "'All I want is that you shouldn't keep from me how you find out that you really are.' "'Well, then I won't ever. "'But you see for yourself,' Milly went on, "'how I really am. "'I'm satisfied. "'I'm happy.' "'Kate looked at her long. I believe you like it, the way things turn out for you. Milly met her look now without a thought of anything but the spoken. She had ceased to be Mr. Densher's image. She stood for nothing but herself, and she was none the less fine. Still, still, what had passed was a fair bargain, and it would do. Of course I like it. I feel— I can't otherwise describe it, as if I had been on my knees to the priest. I've confessed and I've been absolved. It has been lifted off. Kate's eyes never quitted her. He must have liked you. Oh, doctors, Milly said. But I hope, she added, he didn't like me too much. Then, as if to escape a little from her friend's deeper sounding— or, as impatient for the carriage, not yet in sight, her eyes, turning away, took in the great stale square. As its staleness, however, was but that of London fairly fatigued, the late hot London, with its dance all danced, and its story all told. The air seemed a thing of blurred pictures and mixed echoes, and the impression met the sense "'an impression that broke the next moment through the girl's tightened lips. "'Oh, it's a beautiful big world, and everyone, yes, everyone!' "'It presently brought her back to Kate, "'and she hoped she didn't actually look as much as if she were crying "'as she must have looked to Lord Mark among the portraits at Matcham. "'Kate at all events understood.' Every one wants to be so nice. So nice! said the grateful Milly. Oh, Kate laughed, we'll pull you through. And won't you now bring Mrs. Stringham? But Milly, after an instant, was again clear about that. Not till I have seen him once more. She was to have found this preference, two days later, abundantly justified. And yet, when, in prompt accordance with what had passed between them, she reappeared before her distinguished friend, the character having for him in the interval built itself up still higher, the first thing he asked her was whether she had been accompanied. She told him on this straight away, everything, completely free at present from her first embarrassment, disposed even, as she felt she might become, to undue volubility and conscious, moreover, of no alarm from his, thus perhaps wishing she had not come alone. It was exactly as if, in the forty-eight hours that had passed, her acquaintance with him had somehow increased, and his own knowledge in particular received mysterious additions. They had been together before, scarce ten minutes, but the relation, the one the ten minutes had so beautifully created, was there to take straight up and this not on his own part from mere professional heartiness, mere beside manner which he would have disliked, much rather from a quiet pleasant air in him of having positively asked about her, asked here and asked there and found out. Of course he couldn't in the least have asked or have wanted to. There was no source of information to his hand, and he had really needed none, He had found out simply by his genius, and found out she meant literally everything. Now she knew not only that she didn't dislike this, the state of being found out about, but that, on the contrary, it was truly what she had come for, and that, for the time at least, it would give her something firm to stand on. She struck herself as aware, aware as she had never been, of really not having had from the beginning anything firm it would be strange for the firmness to come after all from her learning in these agreeable conditions that she was in some way doomed but above all it would prove how little she had hitherto had to hold her up if she was now to be held up by the mere process since that was perhaps on the cards of being let down this would only testify in turn to her queer little history. That sense of loosely rattling had been no process at all, and it was ridiculously true that her thus sitting there to see her life put into the scales represented her first approach to the taste of orderly living. Such was Milly's romantic version, that her life, especially by the fact of this second interview, was put into the scales. And just the best part of the relation established might have been, for that matter, that the great, grave, charming man knew, had known at once, that it was romantic, and in that measure allowed for it. Her only doubt, her only fear, was whether he perhaps wouldn't even take advantage of her being a little romantic, to treat her as romantic altogether. This, doubtless, was her danger with him, but she should see, and dangers in general meanwhile dropped and dropped. The very place, at the end of a few minutes, the commodious handsome room, far back in the fine old house, soundless from position, somewhat sallow with years of celebrity, somewhat somber even at midsummer, the very place put on for her a look of custom and use squared itself solidly around her as with promises and certainties she had come forth to see the world and this then was to be the world's light the rich dusk of a london back these the world's walls those the world's curtains and carpet she should be intimate with the great bronze clock and mantle ornaments conspicuously presented in gratitude and long ago, she should be as one of the circle of eminent contemporaries, photographed, engraved, signatured, and in particular framed and glazed, who made up the rest of the decoration, and made up as well so much of the human comfort, and while she thought of all the clean truths, unfringed, unfingered, that the listening stillness strained into pauses and waits would again and again for years have kept distinct. She also wondered what she would eventually decide upon to present in gratitude. She would give something better, at least, than the brawny Victorian bronzes. This was precisely an instant of what she felt he knew of her before he had done with her, that she was secretly romancing at that rate in the midst of so much else that was more urgent all over the place so much for her secrets with him none of which really required to be phrased it would have been thoroughly a secret for her from any one else that without a dear lady she had picked up just before coming over she wouldn't have a decently near connection of any sort for such an appeal as she was making to put forward no one in the least as it were to produce for respectability but his seeing it she didn't mind a scrap and not a scrap either his knowing how she had left the dear lady in the dark she had come alone putting her friend off with a fraud giving a pretext of shops of a whim of she didn't know what the amusement of being for once in the streets by herself the streets by herself were new to her she had always had in them a companion or a maid and he was never to believe, moreover, that she couldn't take full in the face anything he might have to say. He was softly amused at her account of her courage, though he yet showed it somehow without soothing her too grossly. Still he did want to know whom she had. Hadn't there been a lady with her on Wednesday? Yes, a different one, not the one who's travelling with me. I've told her— Distinctly he was amused, and it added to his air, the greatest charm of all, of giving her lots of time. You told her what? Well, said Milly, that I visit you in secret. And how many persons will she tell? Oh, she's devoted, not one. Well, if she's devoted, doesn't that make another friend for you? It didn't take much computation but she nevertheless had to think a moment, conscious as she was, that he distinctly would want to fill out his notions of her, even a little, as it were, to warm the air for her. That, however, and better early than late, he must accept as of no use, and she herself felt for an instance quite a competent certainty on the subject of any such warming. The air for Millithiel was, from the very nature of the case, destined never to rid itself of a considerable chill. This she could tell him with authority, if she could tell him nothing else, and she seemed to see now, in short, that it would importantly simplify. Yes, it makes another, but they all together wouldn't make—well, I don't know what to call it, but the difference— I mean, when one is, really alone. I've never seen anything like the kindness. She pulled up a minute while he waited, waited again as if with his reasons for letting her, for almost making her talk. What she herself wanted was not, for the third time, to cry, as it were, in public. She had never seen anything like the kindness, and she wished to do it justice. But she knew what she was about, and justice was not wronged by her being able presently to stick to her point. Only one situation is what it is; it's me it concerns. The rest is delightful and useless. Nobody can really help. That's why I'm by myself today. I want to be, in spite of Miss Croy, who came with me last. If you can help, so much the better, and also, of course, if one can, a little one's self, except for that, you and me doing our best. I like you to see me just as I am. Yes, I like it, and I don't exaggerate. Shouldn't one at the start show the worst, so that anything after that may be better? It wouldn't make any real difference. It won't make any. Anything that may happen won't, to anyone. Therefore I feel myself this way with you, just as I am. And if you do not in the least care to know, it quite positively bears me up. She put it as to his caring to know, because his manner seemed to give her all her chance, and the impression was there for her to take. It was strange and deep for her, this impression. AND SHE DID ACCORDINGLY TAKE IT STRAIGHT HOME. IT SHOWED HIM, SHOWED HIM IN SPITE OF HIMSELF, AS ALLOWING, SOMEWHERE FAR WITHIN, THINGS COMPARATIVELY REMOTE, THINGS IN FACT QUITE, AS SHE WOULD HAVE SAID, OUTSIDE DELICATELY TO weigh WITH HIM, SHOWED HIM AS INTERESTED ON HER BEHALF IN OTHER QUESTIONS, BESIDE THE QUESTIONS OF WHAT WAS THE MATTER WITH HER. She accepted such an interest as regular in the highest type of scientific mind, his own being, the highest magnificently, because otherwise, obviously, it wouldn't be there, but she could at the same time take it as a direct source of light upon herself, even though that might present her a little as pretending to equal him. Wanting to know more about a patient than how a patient was constructed, or deranged couldn't be even on the part of the greatest of doctors anything but some form or other of the desire to let the patient down easily when that was the case the reason in turn could only be too manifestly pity and when pity held up its telltale face like a head on a pike in a french revolution bobbing before a window what was the inference but that the patient was bad. He might say what he would now. She would always have seen the head at the window, and in fact from this moment she only wanted him to say what he would. He might say it too, with the greater ease to himself, as there wasn't one of her divinations that, as her own, he would in any way put himself out for. Finally, if he was making her talk, She was talking, and what it could at any rate come to for him, was that she wasn't afraid. If he wanted to do the dearest thing in the world for her, he would show her he believed she wasn't, which undertaking of hers, not to have misled him, was what she counted at the moment as her presumptuous little hint to him, that she was as good as himself. It put forward the bold idea that he could really be misled and there actually passed between them for some seconds a sign, a sign of the eyes only, that they knew together where they were. This made in their brown old temple of truth its momentary flicker. Then what followed it was that he had her all the same in his pocket, and the whole thing wound up for that consummation with his kind dim smile such kindness was wonderful with such dimness but brightness that even of sharp steel was of course for the other side of the business and it would all come in for her to one tune or another do you mean he asked that you've no relation at all not a parent not a sister not even a cousin nor an aunt she shook her head as with the easy habit of an interviewed heroine or a freak of nature at a show. Nobody whatever. But the last thing she had come for was to be dreary about it. I'm a survivor, a survivor of a general wreck, you see. She added, how that's to be taken into account, that everyone else has gone. When I was ten years old, there were with my father and my mother, six of us. I'm all that's left. But they died, she went on to be fair all round, of different things. Still, there it is. And as I told you before, I'm American. Not that I mean that makes me worse. However, you'll probably know what it makes me. Yes, he even showed amusement for it. I know perfectly what it makes you. "'It makes you, to begin with, a capital case.' She sighed, though gratefully, as if again before the social scene. "'Ah, there you are. "'Oh, no, there we aren't at all. "'There I am only, but as much as you like. "'I've no end of American friends. "'There they are, if you please. "'And it's a fact that you couldn't very well be in a better place than in their company.' It puts you with plenty of others, and that isn't pure solitude. Then he pursued, I'm sure you've an excellent spirit, but don't try to bear more things than you need. Which, after an instant, he further explained, hard things have come to you in youth, but you mustn't think life will be for you all hard things. You've the right to be happy. You must make up your mind to it. You must accept any form in which happiness may come. Oh, I'll accept any whatever, she almost gaily returned. And it seems to me, for that matter, that I am accepting a new one every day. Now this, she smiled. This is very well so far as it goes. You can depend on me, the great man said, for unlimited interest. But I'm only, after all, one element in fifty. We must gather in plenty of others. Don't mind who knows. Knows, I mean, that you and I are friends. Ah, you don't want to see someone, she broke out. You want to get at someone who cares for me. With which, however, as he simply met this spontaneity, in a manner to show that he had often had it from young persons of her race, and that he was familiar even with the possibilities of their familiarity she felt her freedom rendered vain by his silence and she immediately tried to think of the most reasonable thing she could say this would be precisely on the subject of that freedom which she now quickly spoke of as complete that's of course by itself a great boon so please don't think i don't know it i can do exactly what i like anything in all the wide world i haven't a creature to ask there's not a finger to stop me i can shake about till i'm black and blue that perhaps isn't all joy but lots of people i know would like to try it he had appeared about to put a question but then had let her go on which she promptly did for she understood him the next moment as having thus taken it from her that her means were as great as might be She had simply given it to him, and this was all that would ever pass between them on the odious head. Yet she couldn't help also knowing that an important effect for his judgment, or at least for his amusement, which was his feeling, since, marvellously, he did have feeling, was produced by it. All her little pieces had now then fallen together for him, like the morsels of a coloured glass that used to make combinations, under the hand, in the depth of one of the polygonal peep shows of childhood. So that if it's a question of my doing anything under the sun, that will help. You'll do anything under the sun? Good. He took that beautifully, ever so pleasantly, for what it was worth. But time was needed. The minutes or so were needed on the spot, to deal even provisionally with a substantive question. It was convenient in its degree that there was nothing she wouldn't do, but it seemed also highly and agreeably vague that she should have to do anything. They thus appeared to be taking her together for the moment, and almost for sociability, as prepared to proceed to gratuitous extremities, the upshot of which was in turn that after much interrogation auscultation exploration much noting of his own sequences and neglecting of hers had julie kept up the vagueness they might have struck themselves or may at least strike us as coming back from an undeterred but useless voyage to the north pole Millie was ready under orders for the North Pole, which fact was doubtless what made a blinding anticlimax of her friend's actual abstination from orders. "'No,' she heard him again distinctly repeat it, "'I don't want you for the present to do anything at all, anything, that is, but obey a small prescription or two that will be made clear to you, and let me within a few days come to see you at home.' "'It was at first heavenly. "'Then you'll see Mrs. Stringham.' "'But she didn't mind a bit now. "'Well, I shan't be afraid of Mrs. Stringham.' "'And he said it once more, as she asked once more. "'Absolutely not. "'I send you nowhere. "'England's all right. "'Anywhere that's pleasant, convenient, decent, "'will be all right. "'You say you can do exactly as you like?' "'oblige me, therefore, by being so good as to do it. "'There's only one thing. "'You ought, of course, now, as soon as I've seen you again, "'to get out of London.' "'Milly thought. "'May I then go back to the continent?' "'By all means, back to the continent. "'Do go back to the continent.' "'Then how will you keep seeing me?' "'But perhaps,' she quickly added, "'you don't want to keep seeing me.' He had it all ready. He had really everything all ready. I shall follow you up, though if you mean that I don't want you to keep seeing me. Well, she asked. It was only just here that he struck her the least bit as stumbling. Well, see all you can. That's what it comes to. Worry about nothing. You have at least no worries. It's a great rare chance. She had got up, for she had had from him both that he would send her something and would advise her promptly of the date of his coming to her, by which she was virtually dismissed. Yet for herself one or two things kept her. May I come back to England, too? Rather, whenever you like. But always, when you do come, immediately let me know. Ah, said Milly. It won't be a great going to and fro. Then, if you'll stay with us, so much the better. It touched her, the way he controlled his impatience of her, and the fact itself affected her as so precious that she yielded to the wish to get more from it. So you don't think I'm out of my mind? Perhaps that is, he smiled. All that's the matter. She looked at him longer. No, that's too good. Shall I at any rate suffer? Not a bit. And yet then live? My dear young lady, said her distinguished friend, isn't to live exactly what I'm trying to persuade you to take the trouble to do? End of Book Fifth Chapter Three Read by Lars Rolander